I'm McKinney Smith. After going through a divorce, my sister passing away, experiencing narcissistic abuse, and some significant health scares, I realized through sharing my story that I wasn't alone in my suffering. Suffering, subjective distress generated by the experience of being out of balance. In a deep dive to holistically heal mind, body, and soul is where I discovered peace, clarity, and connection. It is impossible to be truly wise without some real-life hardship, and we cannot develop post-traumatic wisdom without making it through, and most importantly, through it together. Social connection builds resilience, and resilience helps create post-traumatic wisdom, and that wisdom leads to hope. Hope for you and others witnessing and participating in your healing, and hope for your community. A healthy community is a healing community, and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive, and thrive. Thank you for joining us on the Heal Her podcast, H-E-A-L, Honor, Elevate, and Love Her podcast formerly known as the Iwaka My Stilettos podcast, the top 1.5% most popular show globally, where we have conversations with extraordinary women on their journey towards wholeness and harmony. And since you're already here, you may as well subscribe. As a certified mindset coach guiding women towards peace, clarity, and connection within, supporting the direction of the system toward wholeness, my goal here is to help you thrive. Dr. Jordan Wiggins is a pleasure expert, naturopathic doctor, and author. She's the CEO of The Pleasure Collective, a coaching community for high-achieving women who want more pleasure in their lives in and out of the bedroom. She's the author of The Pink Canary, an investigation into the hidden secrets to optimal women's wellness, and the host of top-ranked global podcast, The Pleasure Principles. She's a regular contributor to articles and TV, including CityLine, Cosmopolitan, and The Washington Post, advocating for women's health and right to pleasure. Dr. Jordan gets it. Because she was there too, a burnt-out, divorced, owner of a seven-figure women's health clinic, feeling stuck and uninspired. Combining her years of medical and holistic knowledge with personal experience and exploration, she's unlocked her desires attracted her reality as a fulfilled CEO, mom, stepmom, doctor, friend, lover, and woman's wellness advocate. She believes that great sex is just the beginning and everything comes when you learn how to receive better sex, better health, and better wealth. So please welcome to the show, Dr. Jordan Wiggins. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited to be here. I'm excited for us to jump straight into this conversation um, for many different reasons, not only because of the topic that you're an expert on, um, but you and I recently spoke on a panel together for the Anti-Hustle Manifesto. So I know that we resonate on a lot of things. (laughs) Yes, the women who like have it all, but don't have it all, like have it all on the outside, the Instagram looks good. And then there are some things that are significantly missing and it's sometimes shameful to talk about or like we blame ourselves. Well, why doesn't this feel good? I did all the things. I checked all the boxes and uh, yeah, I'm not happy. I'm not fulfilled. So looking forward to talking about all of it. 
Yes, yes, yes. Okay. So, you know, normally I like to start at the very beginning and jump into your journey, how you got there. Cause I feel like our childhoods have a, a strong effect on us as adults, you know, who we become or how we even got into the industries that we're in or why we want to serve in the industries that we serve in. So let's start with what did you want to be as a child and what were you like as a teenager? Mm, these are great questions. So as a child, I I wanted to be a doctor as a child. And I think that was expected of me because I was bright and athletic and all the things. So there was a sort of an expectation to perform or have a career that looked good, I think, growing up in my home. Um, and as a teenager, I I was a superwoman in training. And that's what I call the women that I work with, which is the high achieving, over-functioning, people-pleasing, right? I needed to get straight A's, be the fastest in my extracurricular <laughs> sports or like do, do my best. It's this constant over achieving, um, even in high school. And that was, you know, I had a job, I went to school, I did sports, even in university, like varsity sports, but that was what you needed to do to get into med school. Mm -hmm. So that trajectory um, was sort of set for me very early. And I wish I would have let loose and had more joy because I think even then I lacked pleasure. Mm -hmm. And I don't even have a ton of memories from childhood or that time, which I now know that's a trauma response. Right. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, but then my path... Um, quickly changed for me because I had undiagnosed pelvic pain and these ovarian cysts that kept rupturing. And the medical community really, well, now I know, now I call it medical gaslighting. Mm -hmm. When they can't figure out what's wrong with you with blood tests and imaging, then it's like, well, she must be crazy mm -hmm. because we don't know where this pain's coming from. She must be making it up. And they offered me like antidepressants or antipsychotic medication when really with like pelvic floor physiotherapy wasn't really a thing or it was something that I didn't know. And I really just needed to see a pelvic floor physiotherapist and deal with that, all of those issues and the hypertonic muscles that I had from training so hard for sports to deal with my pelvic pain to stop ending up in the ER. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so at that point, and I went on birth control and was very depressed. I would have my period three weeks a month. Like this is when I was 18. Um, and I kept feeling like I wasn't myself. Something was wrong. I shouldn't be bleeding three weeks a month. And the doctor's solution was just, oh, just keep trying different pills. We'll see if one works for you. Wow. So I felt very let down by conventional medicine, which changed my trajectory into naturopathic medicine um, because it was about 
balancing hormones. And my naturopath told me about pelvic floor dysfunction and referred me to a pelvic floor physiotherapist. So that kind of changed my career where I wanted to be doing something that helped women like me because I saw that women are twice as likely to get prescribed an antidepressant than men. Mm -hmm. And that to me, because that was sort of the solution the whole time Mm -hmm. with my pelvic pain and with going on birth control. Then once you're on birth control, this is, it's in my book. I can't, I can't remember the statistic, but once you're on birth control, you're like two or three times more likely to be prescribed an antidepressant yep. because of what it's doing to your hormones right. and yep. your natural cycle. So I just was like, are all these women depressed? Like they, I, it didn't feel to me like that was the root of my issue. And I'm by no means pill shaming. If you need an antidepressant and that it makes you feel good and it solves the problem, that is amazing. The issue that I was having was that hundreds and then eventually 2,000 women that came through the doors of my women's health clinic, they were coming to me saying, something's wrong with me. I don't know. I don't know what it is. I'm not, I'm not funny like I used to be. I don't have that spark that I used to have. Like something's off. I'm not sure what's going on. Maybe it's my hormones. And they would think all these things and a conventional medical doctor, their response would always be, well, give like, here's your antidepressant prescription. Yeah. <laughs> and what I learned that the problem was, was anhedonia. And that's the inability to feel pleasure or joy. And of course, women aren't coming to me saying like, this is my diagnosis. This is what's wrong with me. They were coming saying like, I'm not as happy as I used to be. I'm like, my hair is falling out or I'm gaining weight that I can't take off. And I'm just like exhausted or brain fog. Like they were giving all these, I need caffeine or sugar to get me through my day. So I was just no pattern after pattern of high achieving woman. And whether that was in her career or she was running her household, but they could, they, they couldn't feel good. They couldn't feel Mm -hmm. pleasure or joy. So that's when my career path kind of shifted again into like, I I need to solve this problem because it's affecting women's health. It's affecting their intimate relationships. And they're like, and I mean, not only with their partner, but also with their children, because they would say to me over and over again, like, I'm stressed and overwhelmed. I'm not even present. Mm -hmm. Like if I do all the work to go do the family vacation and get everything sorted out with job and home and everything. I go on the vacation and then I can't even really relax until it's almost over. And then when I come back, I'm dealing with all the fallout and the catch up. So it's like to be present and feel joy. Mm -hmm. That's what they were missing. Mm -hmm. Wow. There's so much that you said there that I I wanted to highlight. One, I I think it's great that as a child, you wanted to be a doctor and and that's what you are now. I I feel like sometimes, you know, because 
culture, society, or a parent starts to limit our beliefs or what's possible or tell us to be realistic, it shifts the idea of, you know, who we wanted to be when our, when our imagination and fantasy was, you know, free to create. Um, so I love when I hear that people are actually in the industry that they always wanted to be in. Um, two, I wanted to highlight what you said about the medical system. Um, and again, you and I have resonated on so many things. So I totally agree with you where I now understand the value of, you know, holistic doctors or naturopathic doctors or um, things like that, because the medical system, not only has it failed me, it's failed my children. It's failed my sister who passed away. It, it's, tried to put band-aids on things rather than getting to the root cause of the problem. And, you know, you were saying before, like they would do tests and, you know, everything's fine, but they can't figure out what's wrong with you. I went through that stage where they made me question, am I a hypochondriac? Like (laughs) they're saying I'm totally healthy on paper, but they're not checking what's going on with us mentally. They're not checking what's going on with us energetically And then through mindset coaching, me understanding and getting to learn basically how our thoughts and our feelings affect our body physically and the effects that it has on us and how a a disease, the word should be separated into a body that's in dis-ease. So understanding all of that stuff um, helped me, you know, step away from being reliant on the medical system because I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia because they couldn't figure out what was wrong. It was like chronic pain, but we don't know what it is. Trying to give me antidepressants all the time, trying to, you know, dress me up. I'm like, I'm a single mother with three children. I cannot sleep all day. <laughs> like, I'm an entrepreneur. This is not working. <laughs> so I get <laughs> it. <laughs> 1000%. And then even with the medical system, you know, you, Um, I think it's important for women to advocate for themselves and to listen to their body, no matter what a doctor tells you, because it's like, you know, those mechanics that will constantly just fix one thing, but it doesn't fix the problem. It just kind of puts a bandaid on something, but they know that you have to come back for the next thing. You know what I mean? So I have found there are many, many things, a very high percentage of things, not only just in our medical system, but in life in general, that for women, there were no women a part of the process or the decision making or the creation of things for women. <laughs> so. And so the medical system is a perfect example of patriarchal structure. Yeah. And yeah. this is in my book too. We talk about how medical, like testing for pharmaceuticals and treatments was not including women. Yeah. for so many years and obviously there's been some checks and balances and things that have put been put in place more recently and we also know that research like cutting edge medical research takes 7 to 10 years to get put into medical curriculum to teach new doctors but even old doctors didn't do that or like won't know the new things necessarily yeah. unless they're actively keeping up on it but our system is broken and flawed where they're so busy to just keep up and we don't get paid for our time spent researching we get paid for our time being in front of patients so it's just yeah it is flawed and it is backwards and women were not a part of the decision making and in the case of medicine they're not part of like the testing because with us in our hormonal fluctuations and 
it's not as simple. So you want to get a, a drug trial passed, then do it on a majority of men where it's going to show benefit and get your drug to market. But if it's not working for women, yet they're being prescribed to women. Yep. So we should be having like women only trials. Does this drug work for women? Period. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you a thousand percent. I think a lot of um, a lot of lives would be saved. Um, a lot of women, the quality of women's lives would be saved if they, they did that because something as simple as, you know, with my health condition, cause you were talking about having periods that lasted very long. And I, I thought something was wrong with me because I was having periods that were almost two weeks, you know, long for years. And doctors were like, okay, well, we're just going to take out your uterus. And it's like, okay, so male doctors have decided that they're going to take away <laughs> my reproductive organs. So now here I am in my 40s. I had a, a hysterectomy in my 30s. And it's like, had I known then that I had different options or as a woman, certain things, you know what I mean? Like th they, yeah. <laughs> yes. And it's, we're getting these blanket diagnoses or diagnosis of exclusion like fibromyalgia or yeah. you're presented with, okay, well, your periods are really heavy, your iron's low, your option is birth control or surgery. And that's what they give you to pick from. And not realizing that like taking organs out, taking reproductive organs out is like taking the batteries out of a smoke detector. Like this is just our body's warning sign. It is speaking to us that something else is wrong. Yeah. And like you mentioned, it can be wrong on many levels the cellular level, the mental emotional level. Like, is this woman in an abusive relationship? What is her yes. stress like? Yep. Because let's test that. Let's because we know that our adrenals and cortisol and stress response and how our nervous systems responds and fight, flight, freeze, fawn is very different when we are under stress and we don't feel safe and we've taken on way too much. And that could even be like, this doesn't even necessarily have to be an abusive relationship. It could just be a relationship where the workload is significantly imbalanced and yeah. the invisible workload for the most part overwhelmingly falls on women. So that, and, and I work with women that they're by far the primary breadwinners, sometimes their partner, like they've retired their partner and and they do the meals and yep. like and they're doing all of the workload at home so let's test that woman's hormones let's test her stress response let's see how inflamed she is let's look at her on the mental emotional level see how she's coping what is her support system like and then let's make a plan to like a holistic plan of yeah. healing yeah yeah. And when we fix those things, then all of a sudden the hormones are back in check. And this is something that literally drove me insane and was part of the reason why I did what I did. But hormones are a lag indicator. Like if we have a hormone imbalance that is creating low libido or brain fog or joint pain or really heavy periods, painful sex, it, Hormones are a lag indicator. So many things needed to happen first for our hormones yeah. to be out of balance. 
So then why are we treating downstream like, oh, let's just take out a, a reproductive organ when we could have so many other things at first. It's yeah. maddening. Yeah. You know, what blows my mind, and I mean, you know, they say 2020 is hindsight or whatever, but it's like when I started speaking openly about my experience with narc abuse and started doing the research and having people reach out to me, there were many women that had issues with autoimmune or chronic illnesses. And I started to notice without even looking at any research that it had to be connected to the stress levels of being in those abusive relationships. Because like you said, our nervous system is completely out of whack. So on my healing journey, I can, like, I'm a total testament to this, where when I started focusing on my own healing and creating a, like I I spoke about my you know, heavy self-care routine on the panel that we spoke about. But like when I started implementing all these things, I even have the stress management Fitbit to test my stress levels and all these things. When I started focusing on the self-care, not only did my nervous system regulate, all of my fibromyalgia symptoms, gone. All of those issues, gone. (laughs) Like no need for pain meds, no need for antidepressants, no need for none of those. And do you know what they call that? Do you know what they probably wrote in your chart? spontaneous reversal of diagnosis <laughs> like they have they medically there and, and my patients would get that all the time they they'd come and be like my doctor just doesn't understand why everything that we did which includes a heavy self-care routine and includes like getting the woman to know that like she is worthy of this and she deserves this and that is a part of the healing but they, it's yeah, a spontaneous reversal of diagnosis. They're like, we don't yeah. know what happened. Yeah. But it sure as heck wasn't your self-care or any of the energy <laughs> healing or the fact that we got you on a diet that was anti-inflammatory and like nourished your, your body. And yeah. I call it um, the super women mystery illnesses where, you know, and sometimes, yes, it is an autoimmune condition or we can like do blood work and testing and figure out what it actually is. But it is definitely, definitely more than that. Because what our environment that we're in, how our nervous systems are perceiving things, how our stress response is, how inflamed we are, that's creating how our cells are expressing and how our hormones are dividing and how our neurotransmitters are being made. So we literally can't separate it. And I'll tell you, I am when this, we need to update my bio. Cause as you're reading that, I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Not, not suitable anymore. So I am leaving a, narcissist abusive relationship at the moment and I had a mystery illness for the last mm-hmm. few years. Wow. It was vomiting. It's so the diagnosis is cyclical vomiting syndrome. Mm-hmm. And it would happen with fluctuations in my hormones and I blamed everything that because I was breastfeeding and then um stopped and I was like okay well when my hormones level out after breastfeeding this will this will stop like it has it's definitely something to do because it would be 
like day 21 to 23 of my cycle. And actually, <laughs> it turns out, and I did have a hormone imbalance. Like I could see it on my blood work. Right. Because I tested. And there was this massive component of my nervous system and me not feeling safe. And it takes, so just for this diagnosis, it takes people an average of eight years to get an accurate diagnosis. Wow. And it, and just, I was fortunate to have the tools and skills and resources to be able to test and get imaging and do what I needed to do for myself quickly, um, which also included me going to the States for a lot of my <laughs> imaging and testing and sending my blood out of province, which is what yeah. I do for my clients. But yes, like that illness was 100% correlated to my stress response from being mm. in an abusive relationship. Wow. 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 I, I'm sorry that you had to experience that. And I'm like, thank you for sharing and being so open. And I know that it'll help the women that are listening that are going through similar things that may not have the, the tools and resources to have the testing done, but to connect those dots between, you know, the unhealthy relationships that they're in, the toxicity and their stress levels to what they're feeling within their health. Um, and it can show up in so many ways. Like I have another client um, and she will get really sick. Like she's been repeatedly sick with these viral illnesses that will knock her out and get her in bed multiple times. Mm -hmm. And she's like, what's happening to me? Like, why is my immune system? Like, I never used to get sick. What's going on? Mm -hmm. And she doesn't feel safe and supported in her relationship, history of sexual abuse and trauma. And uh, we do all the testing. And it's like, yep, you're super yeah. inflamed. You have, you're burnt out. There's no resiliency with your stress response and your nervous system is a disaster. Like your neurotransmitters are yeah. insane and you're not absorbing nutrients because you're so stressed. You're not absorbing nutrients because your body is in fight or flight. Yep. So we are think like, anyways, it is, we're, we talk about this forever, <laughs> but the point is, is like the mystery illness could be anything. Yeah. Like any of these recurring things, I call it the superwoman cycle where like we have this crash or something that knocks us out. It might be our fibro pain. It might be vomiting. It might be being sick in bed or migraines. And then we get through it. We kind of patch ourselves up because that's what we do. And we have to function and we have to take care of others. And it's just like our personality, right? We're going to figure it out. So for me, like I was giving myself IV fluids. And mm. like it, this vomiting was severe. I was like giving myself IVs. I'm doing the things like to get back in the game, to work, to care for my daughter, to do all of this stuff. And it's like my body was screaming yeah. that I needed help. Yeah. And do you think I had pleasure at that point? Oh, no. Because the pleasure centers in your brain mm -hmm. are turned off when you yeah. are in fight or flight. And they've done MRIs to study it. So you're in survival, your body is like one foot in front of the other, I need to solve a problem, fix these things, whatever. And, the, and I went to yoga, and I had 
like things in place. So I thought I was caring for myself, Mm -hmm. but not on the deep emotional level that I needed to be. Yeah. I feel like this conversation is going to go on a whole different route than I planned because I'm like so much, so much stuff that we could cover that I feel would be beneficial to the women that are listening because wow. Okay. So I remember dealing in the midst of all the stress and all the chaos that I was dealing with and I would constantly have stomach issues, digestive issues. And I remember a doctor saying to me one time asking like, are you stressed? And in my mind, I'm like, no, you know, because on the outside, I'm still functioning, right? I'm very high functioning, stressed out person. (laughs) So I said no. And um, that's when he explained to me that our digestive system is a secondary function. So when you're stressed out, it slows down your digestive system. So I was having all these digestive issues, stomach pains and the whole nine yards, because I wasn't acknowledging my body telling me all the signs like, lady, you're stressed out. (laughs) And then there was something else that you were, so when you were talking about your condition with the cyclical vomiting, my daughter um, for three years was vomiting, like constantly, sometimes only getting like a couple days in between break, lost like a hundred pounds, had to go to the hospital during the pandemic. She was at the hospital probably once a week. We had to like rotate hospitals within two hour radius of where we are um, for her to be on IV and they couldn't figure it out. There was no diagnosis. And with all the research that, you know, family and friends were doing, we looked at the cyclical vomiting, you know, she's got a heavy following on social and people were commenting, maybe it's that three years later, it's a, it's a different type of hyper hyperemesis syndrome, something, but the, the vomiting stopped. And like three months later, she is expecting and then with the pregnancy got a different type of hyperemesis condition so it's like more vomiting on top of more vomiting on top of vomiting <laughs> but it's like i know her nervous system is out of whack i know all of these things she struggles with anxiety depression all these it's her body trying to tell her something there's yes we so much we, we should so much. chat offline because i've done <laughs> so much work <laughs> on that and just some nutrients and things that could help regardless yeah. to calm the nervous system from vomiting. Actually, my drink that I was drinking yeah. while we're recording this, that's what this is. It's wow. everything that I need for my nervous system to not puke. <laughs> Goodness, see? <laughs> <laughs> like, even when she was diagnosed with the hyperemesis thing uh, last year, the we had gone to a holistic doctor because the medical system was failing her. And she was basically dying. They said she was at risk of heart attack or stroke. All her vital signs were starting to drop. And I spent thousands of dollars going to like all kind of alternative medicine doctors. And the naturopathic doctor through all her tests was like, everything was super low. And we did vitamin therapy. She did like all of those things with all of the vitamins. And that's what helped her like do the detox of, you know, all the stuff that was in her system. Yeah, well, we'll definitely talk offline about that. I wanted to, I guess, ask for the the ladies who are listening, because you spoke about, you know, when your body is going through these things, because we're in survival mode, and we're not focused on pleasure. What are some things that women can do to experience more pleasure? So this is, we want to know where we are at and where our nervous systems are at. So for many of my clients, patients, when they come to me, they are in a pretty 
rough state or they've healed a bit. They want more. But and what I mean by a rough state is and it's not rough like you think it's rough, because like you said, because we are not curled up in a ball non-functional, we think, oh, like we're good. But from a cellular perspective, hormonal nervous system perspective, it is rough shape. And what that looks like is not being able to relax, Mm. not being able to be present during sex or thinking like we have to earn our feeling good. Like we need to get all the things done on our to-do list before we have sex or we're can't be present, can't be present during our vacation or think times that it's like, I should really be enjoying this, but we can't orgasm issues. Like all of these things that show that we can't receive pleasure mm-hmm. or it's hard for us to stick to things. Like maybe we are going to yoga, but we like, we're in a rush and we're, you know, slamming our mat down. And it's more of like a, we're doing it to say we did, but we're not fully enjoying yeah. it, like enjoying the experience. Those are all signs that you're not receiving pleasure, asking for help and letting somebody do something for you, take it off your plate without guilt. These are all signs that our nervous systems and our bodies are devoid of pleasure. They're in that anhedonic state because we are in fight or flight and the pleasure centers in our brain are turned mm-hmm. off. So depending on where you're at with it, we want to be cognizant of it. So sometimes we need to baby step it, like increase our nervous system's tolerance for pleasure to shift it from stress, fight or flight to rest, ease, digest, enjoy orgasm. We can't just switch from one to the other. And I think that's why this work seems so intimidating because our brains are literally telling us like don't stay focused on survival and pleasure and all of that is bad like our brain is literally telling us to not do these things so small examples of what that looks like and i call them pleasure anchors so is this prayer is this taking your supplements every day is this your skincare routine? Is it sitting for the sun in the sun for five minutes with a tea and a book? It like, what is something small that you can do every day for yourself? And that's when things are bad. (laughs) And and, and, And there's women that can, you know, run companies And yet they are so depressed that it is hard for them to brush their teeth at the end of the night. Like they need to sometimes use mouthwash or do nothing. Like, Mm -hmm. so I, I want to sort of normalize that it looks different when it's like high functioning depression or it's a superwoman, right? right? It's not, she's not in bed all day. And like you said, you were telling the doctors, like, we need another thing because I can't be in bed all day. Yeah. So it's it I just want to acknowledge that these things sound overly simple, but a lot of women are in such rough shape that mm-hmm. committing to brush their teeth every day and take their supplements every day. And these are things for for you, like the individual, right? Because you probably did a litany of other things for other people during the day. Yeah. But where it falls off is with us and our self-care. 
So those little touch points, turning on music that makes you feel good while you make dinner, drinking wine, or even put put your sparkling water in a good wine glass with yeah. some fruit or something that feels fancy. Like just doing those little things that make you feel good. Yeah. And sometimes that is all the good that your nervous system can tolerate taking. And then we would want to ramp it up based on where the individual person is at. But I wanted to say like how dark and slow we need to start sometimes Mm -hmm. because that's the state that our nervous systems are in. And then we can ramp it up to different things. And I've had to learn what are ways that we can make this easy for women and easy for them to incorporate in their lives, in their day to day. So receiving compliments, like in truly receiving them, truly letting them in, letting them land, like letting that feeling expand in you. Like, where do you feel it? Is it in your heart? Is it in your stomach? What does it feel like? Make it bigger instead of just shutting it down. And that's how we're practicing pleasure. Softening. So when we're in fight or flight and we see it with women and I, this happens to me, but like we get this neck curvature, right? Where we're like leaning forward because that's the fight posture. It's also we're at desks and everything, but if we weren't weren't as in sympathetic, dysregulated nervous state while we were at our desk, we wouldn't be so, you know, so softening. Soften your jaw, soften your lips, soften your pelvic floor. And we increase sensation that way. We increase pleasurable sensation that way. Because when we're tense, nothing feels good. That's also why when our partner comes up to us to touch us, like lovingly, we're like, get away from me because our nervous system is in that state. Trying to think of something else that's easy and quick to do. Feminine movement is huge. So listening to a song that makes you feel good, turned on, alive, like those anthems. Mm-hmm. Um, and move how your body wants to move. And a lot of women won't even know what that is. So even doing hip circles, like slowly doing hip circles one way and then the other for while the length of a song plays. And I teach it, I call it like your, what's your pleasure pulse? Zero to 10. 10's like so much joy and, or like orgasm. That's like, you feel like you could burst apart because you're just so happy and so full. And zero is obviously like nothing. You're turned on, right. you're just <laughs> existing. So all of these little things that we want to do is how do we increase that pleasure pulse? So if you, li- if you put a song on that makes you feel good and you do hip circles and you were a two before the song and you were a five after or a four after or a three, like that's a win. And that's how we teach our bodies, our minds, our nervous systems to tolerate more pleasure. Right. Essentially. I love that. So I guess, well, based on everything that you just said, like I, I didn't 
know that women experience like sexual dysfunction as you know like men do so i'm assuming that's you know our stress levels our nervous system all of the load that we carry our capacity all of those things what what happens to our body when we have not had sex in a while this is a good question so i it also depends on our nervous system and our beliefs so our bodies are amazing like so amazing people with vulvas can birth a child so we can expand to birth a child and a lot of times people will have pain with sex or pelvic floor dysfunction if they haven't had sex in a while but really what's going on is are we relaxed and in a parasympathetic nervous state to be able to receive pleasure or are we in our heads thinking oh my goodness i haven't done this in a while do i remember how to do it is everything going to work down there and so when we're in that sympathetic state we're not able to get aroused touch doesn't feel as pleasurable we're not going to get as lubricated so all these factors add up when really if we knew how to receive pleasure we knew how to ground ourselves in the moment we knew how to be present with pleasurable touch Mm -hmm. we'd we'd be good to go we might need to go a little slower at the beginning or to get into it or whatever but our bodies are awesome they know exactly what they're doing it's just (laughs) it's all the other stuff the beliefs and yes there's just there's so much but like nothing physiologically changes from not having sex like or um our body would be able to shift to accommodate it with proper arousal so right wow see i i feel like well this stuff interests me so i feel like i could talk to you for hours <laughs> <I'm> like <laughs> we're definitely gonna have to do a part two I've, i feel like every um, episode i've recorded in the last six months i'm like oh my god i we need to like do a part two and, we and have you part guys two just on the sex stuff <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll definitely have to to have that um, set up because I have so many questions and I'm just thinking about all the information like that the women who are listening would love to know about pleasure and how their, you know, their, their stress levels in their body and all that stuff connects. I'm, yeah, I'm super geeking out Let's right now. Let's do like, it. Yes. <laughs> I, yeah. And even, I even ask the audience first and then yes. I'll come back and answer their stuff. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So before we go to the final segment, I want you to tell people where they could stay connected with you and learn more from you and about you. Uh, Definitely check out my podcast, the Pleasure Principles podcast for all things pleasure, intimacy. And I am most active on Instagram at Dr. Jordan Wiggins. So send me a DM. Happy to answer your questions I do respond to those personally perfect I will definitely have all of your information in the detailed section of the episode so they don't have to search too far they can just click and connect with you directly thank you you're welcome so for the final segment it's more like a rapid fire Um, you can answer one word one sentence but if you feel the need to unpack you are more than welcome to do so all right let's start with what inspires you most about what you do (laughs) The 
if I can help, let me actually rephrase that. When I help one woman, I actually help a family. Like we heal the generational trauma and she tells her friends. So we're healing like a whole community. So that's the most, the part that gives me goosebumps. I love it. I love it. Okay. What would you say is your superpower? Can I have two? <laughs> one <laughs> is knowing, one is intuitively knowing what is going on with a woman's body and what needs to be healed on the cellular level. And the other, we joke in the pleasure collective, hearing a woman's unspoken desire, like what she really wants and needs to be fulfilled. Love it. Okay. If you could have a gigantic billboard anywhere with anything on it, what would it say and why? It would say be love. Mm. And I would want it to say pleasure or something, but that triggers too many people. So, (laughs) (laughs) but like that's love, life force energy, feminine energy that I, that's, what the world needs more of now. Yep. I agree. I agree. Okay. If you could describe yourself in one word, what would that be? (laughs) This is, this is good. And one word. Okay. I'm actually, I'm trying to listen. I'm between tenacious and kind. (laughs) Okay. Okay. I love it. Love it. Okay. Last but not least. What is something that other people value, but you don't? Gifts. Okay. Not that I don't like a gift or a physical, you know, representation of affection, but give me the the time, the connection, the presence any day. Yeah, I love it. I, I totally resonate um, because I'm, I'm big on the five love languages and... I think like my, the last one on the list for me is, is physical gifts. So I'm not into the material things. It's physical touch and quality time. <laughs> we are the exact same on, the, on yeah. those. That's always my <laughs> lowest one. And those are my two highest. Yeah. I love it. I love it. See, I, I, I knew we, we'd connect. I, I definitely knew it. I, I felt yes. that. I definitely felt that. Thank you so much, Jordan. Honestly, Thank you for sharing your knowledge, your wisdom, your time. I know we'll definitely stay connected after this. I don't even have to say it, but just thank you. (laughs) It's my pleasure. And thank you so much for having me, McKinney, and just having this platform for women to share so openly. Thank you. Thank you so much. And to all of you healers out there, we want to hear what resonated with you. We want to hear what gems you took away from what Dr. Jordan had to share. We want to hear, you know, how it connected with you, what your aha moment was. Feel free to leave us a review on Apple Podcast. If you want to screenshot this week's episode, you can tag Dr. Jordan at Dr. Jordan Wiggins. That's D-R-J-O-R-D-I-N-W-I-G-G-I-N-S. And you can tag myself at The Real McKinney Smith. And I want to thank each and every one of you that continues to listen each week to help the show rank globally in the top 1.5% out of most popular shows because there's over 3 million podcasts out there. So I am super grateful and I don't take your time lightly. A healthy community is a healing community and a healing community is full of hope because it has seen its own people weather, survive and thrive. So let's continue to heal her.